Well, as I stated a few moments ago, we're starting a new series today, and I'm really believing the Lord to really unearth some hard places in our lives. And I want you to know that while God has done the redeeming work by sending his son Jesus on a cross, while he, has did, while he has done his side of things, while he has provided for us, while he has made every single effort to give you the ability to respond to him, there is still a moment in which you have to respond. There's still a time and a moment when you have to decide what God is saying is true enough for you to grab hold of it and believe it. There is action to be had on your part. You know, when I give my girls gifts, which I often do if they're wrapped, when I give them the gift, I can set it in front of them, but if they don't open the package and they don't do anything with it, the gift just sits there. God has given you this most incredible gift, and it's not the stuff, it's his presence. It's his presence. He wants to be an active part of our lives, of our journey. He doesn't desire for us to get stuck in the mud. He doesn't desire for us to get stuck in the muck and mire. He has real truth in his word to offer to us that will set us free. And I'm ready to walk with some believers who are actually free. Aren't you? Are you ready to go there? Well, let's stand today. We're going to read from the book of John chapter 8 as we open this series together. Let's read. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Father, I thank you for your word. It is alive and active, and I am trusting your word to do its powerful work today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> So over the last several weeks, if you've been with us, we were journeying uh, on a, in a series called Healthy Church. And each week we unpackaged a little bit more through the book of Titus, uh, what a healthy church would, would look like. And each week we reminded you on, on who we believe God has called us to be in, as, in terms of a church where we are to love big and we are to live truth and we're to be a healthy family. And as you think about those three things, as you think about that being a place that would set the foundation to be a place where life happens here, as we think about those three things, I believe that we can really sort of get our minds around the idea or the thought of loving big. I don't think that that's a very hard thing to kind of wrap our mind around. And when it comes to healthy uh, family, you know, most of us belong to a family and we've seen uh, moments where there's been healthy, healthy times, there's been unhealthy times. Uh, so we can kind of get our mind around healthy family and maybe what that's supposed to look like. But what is this whole live truth thing? That's a, 
That can be a head scratcher. What is this, what is this live, live truth thing? I believe that living truth is really the bridge between loving big and being a healthy family. I don't believe that you truly can live love big without tapping into living truth. And I don't believe if you're living truth that you really can call yourself a healthy family. All of these things work in tandem with one another. And I'm glad that at Springhouse, we are committed to being all of those things, not majoring in just one of those things. And I would submit to you today that I don't know that it's very possible to just do one of those things. I think all three have to work in tandem with one another. But when we talk about living truth, this is basically what we're, we're saying is acknowledging your reality and applying God's word to it. Acknowledging your reality and applying God's word to it. We tend to treat reality and truth like oil and water. I want you to think about that. We tend to treat reality and truth kind of like oil and water, as if they don't, they're not supposed to co-mingle or, or coexist. It's as if, you know, I'm, I'm given the word, I'm giving the truth, but it's always at an arm's distance from me. I can touch it when I need to apply it to a certain situation, but I don't understand that my reality and truth can actually blend together all of the time, and it should. Or maybe it's the other side of the coin and we major so much on reality that we don't touch the truth. In fact, we run away from the truth because you say, God, you don't know really who I am and what I've done. And my reality is so bad that your truth can't come in here and do anything for me. And that's not right either. Reality and truth for the believer is essential and they go together. They go hand in hand. When I was in second grade, I was learning how to swim. And I wasn't a very good swimmer, but I got in the pool and I tried to swim. In fact, I believe I had an experience where I almost drowned, I believe, in first grade. But in second grade, I, you know, I'm in the water, I'm swimming around, and all my friends are jumping into the pool. And so I get out of the pool and I'm gonna attempt to jump into the pool and I get right there to the edge and I'm one, two, three, four, five, six. And I get back in the pool and I swim around a little more and I get back out and I get to the edge and I'm gonna jump in. I'm really gonna do it this time. I'm really gonna do it this time. And I don't jump in. And I remember going to my mom and saying, mom, I'm scared. I'm scared to jump into the pool. I'm scared of the water and doing that way. I see everybody else doing it, but I'm scared. And my mom did what every comforting mom should do. She snuck up behind me and pushed me in. <laughs> and do you know after she pushed me in, I got out and started jumping in just like that. Jump, 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 jump. You see, my reality told me that I was scared, that I couldn't do something. 
But the truth of the matter was, is that once I did it, then I would be able to do it over and over and over again. See, what we ask for in our lives because we like to be comforted is to be in a place of reality. We'd like to define our reality and say, I am scared. Oh, woe is me. And we want somebody to hold us and say, you're so right. I'm so sorry. You'll never be able to do that. What can I get for you? Some chocolate? When what we really need is somebody to push us into the pool. What we really need is truth mixed in with our reality. We need somebody who's bold enough and, and strong enough and confident enough and loves us enough to speak the truth in love to us so that our lives can change. But yet we look at reality, even in that context, and we walk up into the church house putting a fake smile on, walking by everybody and saying, everything is fine. Yes, yes. And as we walk around and we decide not to be transparent, not to be vulnerable, not to be authentic, then when we walk in, we rob the Holy Spirit's ability to use others to speak truth into our lives and to love us in that way. And so my question to you today is, what is your reality? What is your reality? What does your reality look like? I'm not talking about Sunday church set next to the person that you want to kind of smile and be fake with reality. I'm talking about your Monday morning, 7.20 a.m. reality. You're stuck in traffic reality. Your I can't stand the person next to me reality. What is your reality for real? At the very core of the believer's faith is the foundational principle that God's truth can radically transform your reality. And the truth, especially the truth of the gospel, the truth the, as the person of Jesus Christ is for everyone, and that includes you. That includes you. Some reason, some way we get saved, we give we say we give Jesus our life, we ask him into our hearts, and then we stand up and then we say, okay, I'm gonna learn this word and we learn it and we, we learn it and we memorize it and we memorize it and then it stays distant for, from us because what we want is to tell everyone else the truth. And so we use portions of the word to justify our actions and we condemn those who struggle in the areas we don't. And so my relationship with the word is reduced. It's reduced to a place where it can't transform me. I use it as a book to beat others upside the head. <laughs> and I use it as a justification for the things that I want to do. This word is alive and active. This word is alive and active truth can change your life. The truth can set tr change your life. Taking scripture and using it to justify your actions and then to just condemn others for the things you don't struggle with is exactly what the Pharisees did. 
It's exactly what the the Pharisee leaders did of the time, and it is exactly what Jesus was calling them out on. Prior to our passage that we read today, Jesus is in a dispute. He's in a dispute with with the Pharisees about his testimony, and he's starting to get aggressive with telling them exactly who he is. And they are questioning him by saying, who is the witness that can say you are who you say you are? You have no one but yourself. And Jesus says, you don't understand. It's not just me. I have my father. And he testifies along with me. Jesus, he is real. He is alive. He is the truth. He is who he says he is. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus, he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Jesus, this Jesus, he is our redemption. He is the savior of our souls. He is the life's bread. He he is everything. He is where we're supposed to draw our strength in our life. The best way to show people Jesus is not by beating them upside the head with the word of God. The best way to show people Jesus is by the way you live your life. The best way to show people Jesus is by the way you live your life. Listen to me, friends. Living truth is not about taking the latest political argument, slapping an out-of-context scripture on it, and shoving it down people's throats. Jesus came to change you from the inside out. He came to change us from the inside out. You remember Justin was speaking in Titus in that scripture that says, stay away from frivolous arguments. We get in these silly little, dare I say stupid arguments with one another about things really in the end that don't even matter. And the enemy is at bay just laughing at us because they're quoting scripture at each other. They think that they are just living the Christian life and growing in the Lord, but all they're doing is scratching and clawing and beating each other down. And if I can keep them fooled into believing that that's what the walk with Jesus looks like, I've done my job, says the enemy. Jesus wants to change our lives from the inside out. When he does, your life becomes attractive because what you have is far better than anything that is in the world. What you have inside you is far better than anything that you have, that that the world could ever give you. What you have inside you, he is so much greater than anything in this world. And so we have to decide to grapple with truth and reality. We have to make a conscious effort to say, okay, I need to stand up and understand this is my circumstance. This is my situation. Here's what I have done. This is what I have said. I've laid it all out. Now, we don't like to do that because it sometimes looks scary, ugly, bad, stinky, and all of those things. But the moment that we can look at our reality for what it is, then the real transformative truth comes in and changes us and turns everything around. So in our scripture today, in John chapter eight, Jesus is talking and 
He says to the Jews that had believed him, many of them started to believe him as he was testifying about himself. And he says this, he says, if you hold to my teachings, my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you hold to my teaching, you are my disciple. If you hold to my teaching, you are my disciple. There's action required in holding to Jesus' teaching. Holding to Jesus' teaching is how you can identify as a follower of Christ. True followers of Christ do not wear it on their arm. They wear it on their heart. The word of God is written on their heart. And what's written on the inside manifests itself on the outside. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciple, hold to my teaching. And if you hold to my teaching and you follow me, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, it's not any truth. It's not any truth. See, we live in a world that doesn't understand that there is only one truth. There's only one way. We are conditioned and told at every juncture along the way that you make a truth up for you that makes you feel good, that makes you look good, and you live your truth, and you live your truth, and don't let me come in and infringe on your truth because if I do that, you might punch me in the face. And even in Christian circles, we sometimes tend to gravitate to defining the truth on our own terms. But Jesus said that he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. The only way to the Father is through him. The only way. And so he says, if you hold to my teachings, you will be my follower, then you'll know the truth. You will know me, says Jesus, and I will set you free. I will set you free. And so they respond to this in a way that we respond so often. They say to him, we're Abraham's descendants. We've, we've not been a slave to anyone. How then can you set us free? In other words, Jesus, you know what you're talking about. Jesus, we don't need to be set free. We're free right now. Have you ever had an argument with someone and, or, or a dialogue or a conversation and, the, and you just want to look and say, I don't understand the things coming out of your mouth? Yes. Do you realize that when they say we have never been a slave to anyone, their people, were, they were in slavery for 400 years? Yes. They were in slavery for 400 years. What do you mean you've never been a slave to anyone? We've never been a slave to anyone, Jesus. How could you set us free? And so what happens is Jesus rides up in our situation and he says, you need to take care of that addiction. And you say, I'm not addicted to anything. Come on. <laughs> There's some things going on in your marriage that you need to expose. There's nothing going on in my marriage. There's a difficult conversation that you need to have with that person. I don't need to have a, we're good. You need to stop spending all your money frivolously. Man, I've got enough money. It's not, it's no problem. Come on. I can go get some more, put it on a credit card. <laughs> right? 
Jesus is here offering to set us free, yet we look at him and we come up with every excuse not to acknowledge the fact that we need to be set free. He desires to set us free. And if you believe that you need to be set free, if you, I'm sorry, if you do not believe that you need to be set free, then there will be no motivation to hold to his teaching. The lies of the enemy are numerous. The lies of the enemy, they are numerous. And what happens in our lives is we buy into these lies that says, if you are not happy, God must not love you. You are just the sum total of your past mistakes. You must be perfect in order to succeed. You're the only one in the room that struggles with the thing you're struggling with. You'll be happy when you have more money. That's, that deserves two balls. God really isn't good. Being a Christian means never sinning ever again. Lies of the enemy. I know it's best for my life. I need a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I need a wife or a husband for me to live and just... It's all about me. Going to church is enough. I'm not as bad as the person next to me. I could never forgive that person. I don't have a calling or a purpose. You don't know what I've done. I can't talk to God because he's not listening. I can't overcome my sin. It's too strong. God doesn't love me. I'm too far gone. God doesn't hear me. And there's a whole myriad of lies that the enemy wants to trick you with. And do you understand that the enemy never makes you do anything? The enemy strolls along and plants a thought. He plants a thought. That's what happened at the garden to Eve. He planted a thought. Is he planted a thought in your life that has defined your reality? Because what happens is, is when we buy into one lie, we begin to buy into another lie. We buy into another lie. We buy into another lie. And all of a sudden our life is just filled with lies. And then we expect something beautiful to come out of it. And for a while, it looks like this. But eventually, there is no life source. And so what happens on the outside is it begins to wither. It begins to die. It begins to decay. And everyone around you begins to see it while you walk in like this. But here's the thing. God has truth for you. And when we get to a point where we look in our lives and we say, God, I have bought into some lies and I don't know how to get rid of them. And God says, I don't need you to do anything but trust in me. I don't need you to do anything but to know me as the way, the truth, and the life. And what happens is, is he begins to come into our life and he begins to pour truth And this truth begins to settle into our life and we begin to believe 
the truth of Jesus Christ. And these lies, they begin to have to move around in our life and begin to make an exit out of our lives as the truth begins to lay its foundation. And the more truth we have, the less that those lies can stay. And all of a sudden, those lies, they begin to wake their way out of our life to where they cannot stay anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Here's the thing. When you're anchored in truth, it doesn't matter how much the devil tries to shove the lie in your life, it keeps rising to the surface. There's nothing that can make that lie sustain whenever truth is in your life. Truth stays and truth is alive and then you put life in there and something beautiful will come out of it. God wants to do that in your life if you will let him, but it starts with you understanding that there is a reality to this enemy who's out to steal, kill, and destroy you. There's this reality out there that you might not be put together as much as you think you are. And so we buy into these lies, but we need truth to come in and eradicate the lies from our life. Jesus will always render truth. He will always render truth. And to the Jews who said to him, we've never been enslaved how could you ever set us free? He says, and I love when Jesus starts sentences like this, very truly, I tell you. That's like saying, I'm for real. I mean, I'm for real, for real. This is, this is like concrete. This, I'm for real, right? Jesus says, I'm for real. Listen, listen. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And he wasn't just talking to the Jews in the moment. Guys, he's talking to you and me. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Well, you might say, I don't sin. And I would say, you are a liar. (laughs) And you have bought in to the father of lies. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But in Christ Jesus, we have redemption. In Christ Jesus, we get to go back into that holy place, that place of glory because of what he did, because he is the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place, Jesus says, in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And I have to imagine in that moment, Now, I don't know if they're too, they might, I don't know if they skipped out on history class because they missed the whole 400 years of slavery. But in that moment, they may be taken back to a moment to Abraham and his son, Isaac and Ishmael. Because you know, Ishmael and Hagar, they were thrown out because they were of the slave mentality. They were slaves, but the son got to have a permanent place. I wonder if their mind went back to that moment and they were descendants of of Isaac, but like Ishmael being a slave, you are a slave to sin and you need a son to set you free. We need a son to set us free. And he says of himself, Jesus, this Jesus says, if the son sets you free, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. And I'm telling you, church, you need to be set free. I need to be set free. Jesus opens their eyes to their reality and couples it with truth. 
Your reality will be skewed when you don't understand this very important principle that this world is not your home. Part of the issues, friends, is that we get into this world and we get into a groove and we get so comfortable. The world says, come and make yourself at home. Have you ever stayed at somebody else's house? It doesn't matter how comfortable they intend to make you. It's not your bed. It's not your house, right? But some of us have been cooped up in the world and making ourselves so comfortable that we could not delineate between what our home is and what's the world's. And the Bible tells us that God is coming to destroy the world's house. And I have a question. When he comes to destroy that house, are you going to be standing there freaking out because he's destroying the world's home? Or do you realize that your home actually is far better than anything you've had here? The world is not our home. He never intended it after the fall to be our home. And so as the world's invited us to this, our, our, this house and we made ourselves at home and we made ourselves comfortable, we forget that there's something out there so much better. And so we're in this world and we forget this principle and then tragedy comes. Circumstances change situations come and we wonder what's going on. And then all of a sudden we grasp for whatever truth we can grab, whatever verse we can say, by your stripes, I will be healed. He will open the window of heaven and bless me when I'm going through the situation. But the problem is, is that you have made your bed in this world and you've considered your home and God doesn't answer. And then you wonder why you're confused. You can pray prayers by faith. And God can, and in a lot of ways he does, answer those prayers by faith. But if we haven't grabbed a hold of this truth in its entirety, we will become ill-equipped to respond to tragedy and certain life events. We will default to a place of confusion and to a place of flesh response. I believe that the truer place of faith is wrapped up in how we respond when the outcome wasn't what we expected it to be. How many of you have been in places where you've had to go up up against something and you thought the outcome was going to be this, but it ended up being that? And it caused great pain, great sorrow in your life. This coming Tuesday will be year three of Margaret going home to be with the Lord. And when Pastor Ronnie made the announcement on social media about her passing, he started his sentence with this. It is with great sadness and undiminished faith that I announce. It is with great sadness is the reality This is heavy. This is hard. I don't understand. I'm confused. I'm broken. I'm hurt. I'm in a place of pain. That is my reality. But undiminished faith faith comes from a place of truth. And when you can take your reality and you can inject truth into it, then you can stand no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult your situation is, no matter how hard this world throws its blows, you can stand because your reality is mixed with truth. And God says, I will make a way. I will make a way. 
And I believe in this place, there are people who are going through things where you need God to turn it around. And I'm telling you, it starts in a place to say, I'm hurting. I'm broken. I need you. And you can only respond that way if you have purpose to be anchored in truth. Worship team, you can come back. To live truth is to know the person of Jesus Christ. It's to know Jesus Christ. It's to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know him today? Does he know you? Is the intimacy in your relationship in a place where he knows your reality? Have you convinced yourself that things are much better than they really are? I have to imagine in a room this size that there are people who are struggling with a variety of things. And when I said at the beginning of the message that we are to be a church that loves bigs, lives truth, and is a healthy family, it's a church where I can come in and tell you guys, you know what, this past week I struggled with pride. I struggled with pride. There was something that was on Thursday, it cost me $400, cost me a lot of time and a lot of energy because I was not willing to pick up the phone and ask somebody to help me. That was true. That's me this week. This week, my wife was contending with the girls and guess what? I didn't want to help her. So I was lazy and I struggled with selfishness in my marriage. I'm not proud of it, but I struggled with it. I want to be transparent with you about my life and my walk because I need somebody to love me enough to stand up and say, here's the truth of God's word and how it will change your life. I have to imagine that there are somebody else in here that you're, that you're, maybe your marriage is, it's maybe on the rocks, but you just haven't been willing to identify that struggle. I tell you, God has healing for your marriage. I know that there are people in this room that are struggling with addiction and you look at it and you say, I'm not addicted to anything. And I'm here to tell you, you're addicted and God wants to set you free. He has freedom for you. All you have to do is realize the reality you're in and invite the truth to come and meet you. There are people in this room who are believing for people who have been in the hospital, dealing with cancer, dealing with all types of things. God will meet you in that need. The one who holds it all together says that there's coming a time when he's gonna split the sky and he's gonna wipe every single tear from our eyes. We have a hope in this God who brings stars and we don't have to wait for him to split the sky to have it. He will give it to you right now. So, do you wanna leave out of here the same way you came in or do you want God to turn some things around? I need God to turn some things around in my life. And I want Jesus to do the same for you because I've seen the transformative work in Jesus' life. I've seen it when people grab a hold of salvation, a hold of this truth and say, no more. Landon, how long have you been free? Four years next month, not alcohol in his mouth. I mean, come on. We 
overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, but we got to have a testimony if we're going to share something. And the testimony is not that Landon's so good, is it? It's that Jesus Christ did something in your life that was so powerful. I want to see testimonies in this house. I want to see them do miraculous things. So let's stop being fake and start living lives that are real and true. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to sing this song once again. I believe that there is an anointing in this place for captives to be set free. And you can look at Jesus today and say, I ain't got nothing wrong with me. Or you can say, Jesus, I, the reality is, is I need help. Everyone in this room needs help. We all need his help. And so if you are an elder or a leader in this place, would you come down here? There are people that want to agree with you and want to pray with you and want to believe with you that what was former doesn't have to be your future. That the circumstance and situation in your life could be turned around miraculously today. That he could begin to liberate and set some things free. And maybe today's just about tilling the ground. And if you could just take that step and start tilling the ground, Jesus Christ will do a transformative work in your life. I believe it with all my heart. So we're gonna worship today. If you wanna pray, if you wanna kneel, if you wanna come down to the altar space, this is your time with this star-breathing God who cares so much about you and knew that you were gonna be at Springhouse Church this morning. He had an appointment for you. Will you make the appointment? Let's sing.